Welcome to the Sunday Session Podcast on NRL.com. My name is Chris Kennedy and with me as always is Kenny Scott. Kenny, thank you for being here. Thanks for letting me show up once again. We will be taking you through all eight games from round two. Uh, we're going to talk about the Titans-Broncos game first up because this week our special guest is a try-scoring prop from the Titans, Jamin Jolliffe. Jamin, thank you for being here. Yeah, thanks for having me. Made a terrific win over Brisbane. I know you guys would have been a little bit disappointed about how round one panned out. So nice to get the first win uh, in the bag. Nice to get a win at home and nice to get over the strike. Yeah, that was good. Um, obviously, round one didn't go to plan. Um, I thought we were pretty poor uh, in attack and defence. Um, but we had a good week of training and uh, we knew that the the local derby was the big one. Um, you know, we've always been the little brother and we wanted to get it over the Broncos and... Um, our first first home game as well. Um, you know, we had a good crowd there, and there's a there's a bit of expectation, a bit of hype, and you know, to to be able to deliver against um, the Broncos was pretty special. Got them a few times in a row now. When can you start calling them little brother? <laughs> uh, I don't know. I'm not too sure. I guess so. we'll wait and see. Mate, it's just a curious stat that emerged from this game. You guys scored five tries, and they were all forwards. I think. Big day for Fida got over twice. Yourself and Jared Wallace, the big props, one apiece. And then Aaron Clark playing at hooker got the other one. Apparently, it's 2004 is the last time that happened in an NRL game. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah, right. No, I think, um, obviously, the new the new rules and that, the, the speed of the game is getting a bit quicker. And, um, yeah, I think that you're starting to see it a lot a bit more now. Um, a lot of tries being scored through the middle. Um, so, yeah, no, I think... Yeah, we did well. Just uh, we got good shape there on the line, and just to be able to execute it was good. Jamie, Jamie, um, uh, last week you guys could have, you could have said that you got pushed around a little bit by the Warriors in round one, um, but this week uh, you and your fellow forwards really stood up. I mean, you you bagged a try plus I think three out of the four scores were done from the forward pack. Was there anything different done at training amongst how the uh, the forwards would um, would work as a team and going into round two? Um, not, not really. We knew what we had to do. Um, I just think we, I mean, we just did show up the right mindset against the Warriors. Um, at the same time as well, across the board, we probably weren't up to standard, um, in the Warriors game. There were several times there we, yeah, we could have pulled the trigger and probably got across the stripe, but, um, didn't get there. And yeah, I think, uh, not backing ourselves, we didn't have the confidence. And then just, um, you know, just a few poor decision-making errors online as well. Um, yeah, we spoke, we spoke about it during the week. Um, you know, the middles got together and it, even before kickoff, we said, you know, no tries through the middle. Let's be rock solid. Um, you know, have a bit of pride in our line and, and we want to make Seabus a bit of a fortress for us. Um, and yeah, I thought we defended our line well. I thought we scrambled a lot better. Yeah, I, I definitely would agree. Jamin, you obviously had a, a personally a breakout season um, last year, really established yourself in that forward pack. Heading into this year, you know, Big Tino shows up, David Fafita shows up, Herman SASA shows up. Suddenly there's some real competition, some real depth in that forward pack. You've obviously, um, your players always talk about competition sort of makes everyone a bit stronger, but um, early doors, that seems to be the case with you guys. Yeah, no, like I said, the competition always makes for a better squad. Um, it keeps you accountable as well uh, for your own performance. Um, you know, each week you've got to make sure you're going out there doing your job, doing it well. Um, because if you don't, there's other people there that will take that opportunity. So um, no, it's been really good. The, the the new boys that have come in have really um, picked up the standards, especially um, Big Tino and Dave. 
Um, you know, they just bring that aggression. Um, they're still young, but they've got a lot of uh, knowledge of the game. They've played at the, the top level. So um, now they've been really good and I've been really impressed with, especially how Tino's sort of, uh, he's come from Melbourne and he's just, he's been a real leader in the middle. Um, and even our, our other big fellas like um, Jared Wallace, he finished the year off really well last year and he's just picked up where he left off. Now he's playing good footy, he's aggressive, um, he's fit and strong and, and Moe as well. So um, I think all around um, having those boys come in has really driven everyone who was already at the club. One guy I did want to pick your brain about is um, Ash Taylor there in the halves. I think we all saw last year he really sort of blossomed and, and looked like he had his confidence back. Now, we've all known for a long time that he's a talented player. He's got all the um, all the tools to be a good halfback, but I don't recall seeing a game where he was rocking blokes in defence like he was against Brisbane. <laughs> he forcing turnovers. I think Jordan Ricky might have worn one and, and lost the ball. What, what's changed with him? Like he was He was really sort of up for it in that game. Look, I, I don't know. I only sort of met Ash last year and I started playing with him. Um, I don't know what was going on before then, but I know the time I've been at the club, he's um, he's really been enjoying his footy. And since Jamal's come in, um, they've sort of built that partnership. Um, they're starting to really work well together. And it's just everyone as, as a whole, we're all really um, tight-knit as a group. Um, and that, that makes for a better sort of environment around the track. Uh, training and that and um, I think Justo as well he's probably played a big part in that Um, really sort of revitalised Ash's sort of um, desire Um, and I think he's been going terrific and he's great at training he's um, he's a real um, leader Um, and yeah like on the weekend I I, I didn't know he could defend that well but he was was smashing blokes and and he was he was forcing errors and it was it was unreal and you know we we really um, sort of we went well off the back of that, you know, we sort of capitalised on those errors and, and managed to get some points on. You've obviously got a, um, it's a double Queensland derby in a row. You head up to Townsville uh, next weekend. They're obviously uh, zero from two. So you know that they're going to be absolutely stinging to, to get a, a win. Have you had a chance to, to think about what lies in wait up there yet? No. So we haven't been back in the training. We did our review. Um, so we'll, um, we, we've addressed last week's game. And uh, we'll move on starting Monday. We'll um, get into the Cowboys. But, yeah, like you said, they'll be firing. They haven't had a win yet. Um, we're playing at their home ground. And, you know, they've got a lot to play for. Um, and so do we. You know, we won't take them lightly. And, um, you know, I think they'll be really tough. But, you know, I think if we, if we come out with the same mindset as we did the Broncos game, I think we could, um, you know, we'll go a long way to getting the win. Kenny? You... Um... Uh, you've you've come from Wagga Wagga uh, all the way up to the Gold Coast. What's it been like uh, in terms of you know footy player in a regional centre to NRL player in a, a tourist mecca? Oh, it's been it's been crazy. Um, you know, I, I got a lot of people back home messaging me. Um, everyone back there follows the football, and and growing up in the country, um, you know, whenever you whenever you got the chance to to meet an NRL player, it didn't matter what club they played for, you you're always so excited and. Um, I know that, you know, just to have everyone back home following me um, and really sort of supporting us and, and even, you know, jumping on board the, the Titans sort of um, just jumping on our backs, it, it's been really great. Um, and, yeah, just, I don't know, honestly, you pinch yourself sometimes because you dream about it and you don't know if it's going to happen, but now I'm sort of living it and I'm just loving it and just, you know, every week's been just great. Awesome.
coming in, I mean, you, like I said, had a real breakout year last year. You're still only 24, so a long career ahead of you, hopefully, but maybe a tiny bit of a later debut than, than some other guys. Was that, you know, a couple of years plugging away in cups, sort of the, the last two years must, I guess, seem like a bit of a whirlwind still? Yeah, I think, uh, obviously, I went through the 20 system. Um, I was one of those sort of late developers. I wasn't a, a big guy, and it, it took me a few years um, now, playing against men in reserve grade to sort of build up physically and, and just to get, get ready for it. You know, you see a lot of young people who are, who are up for it at a young age and, and that's great. But there's other blokes like myself who got to, you know, go the long way. Um, and that that's fine, you know, like you, you want it to happen, but I don't think um, it could have happened any quicker for me. Like, like I knew the footballer I was a few years ago and I knew I wouldn't be ready for it. Um, but yeah, I think those few years just being able to sort of work on my game just and build up physically and mentally uh, has really helped me. Just before we let you go, a guy you touched on a bit earlier, Justin Holbrook, seems to have been a really positive influence right through the entire group. Every time I talk to one of the Titans players, there is a huge rap on just his, I guess, his approach to, to football, his approach to the, the players and, and the way he goes about it. Yeah, there's it, just something about him. You know, he's, he's sort of, he's a real people person. Uh, you know, he's easy to communicate with. Um, you know, he's um, he's just a great bloke. You know, he knows how to manage the team well. Um, and just his knowledge of the game and, and the blokes he's got around him as well. You know, Jim Dimmick and Jim Lenahan. You know, they're, um, they've just got that much knowledge. And um, like I said, you know, last year with the COVID thing, we, we weren't allowed out. We were in the bubble and, you know, they really brought us together as a group. Um, and I think that's why we sort of performed a lot better at the back end of the year. Um, and, and we've just had a great preseason. And, you know, like I said before, the recruits have come in and we've all really gelled. And, yeah, Justin's been, you know, the reason behind that. Well, mates, uh, looks like some good things brewing up on the Gold Coast. Thank you so much for stopping in on the, the Sunday session. Uh, congrats on the win and, yeah, all the best for the season ahead. Cheers, guys. Thanks for having me. Thank you, mate. So, Kenny, we're going to go back through the other seven games of the round. Uh, the most recent one of those being the Sharks and the Raiders from a very soggy Netstrider Jubilee Stadium on Sunday evening. Uh, one for the purists, I guess. Um, certainly a, a slog fest in the wet. A, a proverbial game of two halves, I think we have said once before on this podcast. The Sharks, diabolical in that first half, couldn't hold the ball. And then uh, Canberra taking a leaf out of their book in the second. Yeah, it was a really strange one, wasn't it? I think both both teams should be um, happy, but also incredibly disappointed uh, with the result. Like, it's, it's odd that you like for the Raiders. It's odd that you you walk away with a win, thinking like that was a really we played really poorly and probably don't deserve that. At least if, you, if it's all um, judged on the second half. But yeah, that first half was all Raiders, wasn't it? Like they were just relentless. I thought it, it showed the type of team they are. To be honest, I kind of forgot about how good the Raiders could be. I guess an off-season will do that to you, but they their attack, at least in terms of energy and effort, was it was endless. It seemed like just wave after wave of, of Raider um, running at the Sharks, but the Sharks managed to hold them out. I don't know, like I couldn't really work out if it was just pure desperation in defence from the Sharks or if the Raiders just lacked a little bit of polish in, in, in finishing off their, their attacking raids because it, 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 it seemed like that's all the first half was the Raiders attacking and the Sharks defending. And the Raiders, and what was it, half-time, 6-0? Um, uh, no, it was 12-0, sorry, because yeah, the Raiders, yeah, the Raiders got that, that last try, that try, like, with 15 seconds to go in the half, which probably broke Sharks' hearts a little bit. But still, um, they should have or could have been up by a lot more. So 
Mm. Um, yeah, as you said, game of two halves, and then the second half, the Raiders just couldn't couldn't score a point. It was quite it was quite amazing considering um, the first half they had. But yeah, a real a real noodle scratcher that one. I was uh, I was watching the stats pretty closely, and Cronulla uh, at one point late in the first half had thirty six percent possession for the game, and uh, I was I think they finished it just over fifty percent. So so much did they dominate the ball in the second half. Yeah, 51% for the game as I look at the live stats. So they actually had so much ball in the second half, they finished up with more ball for the match despite hardly seeming to touch it in the first half. Um, You certainly have to credit their defence. I think six line breaks to one, it finished up for Canberra Sharks, like you said, defending their line pretty much the whole first half. They scrambled really well. As shocking as their handling was, their their, their desperation defence was really good. Um, I don't know what happened to Canberra in the second half. They just started... Like they they unraveled. They just started dropping the ball, like giving away silly penalties. There was that huge flare up, um, eight or ten minutes to go. Uh, I think Moylan shot out of the line and rocked Hudson Young, and then yeah, Magulius hit the ball free, and then suddenly everyone's running in and grabbing jerseys and doing the, the fake <laughs> headbutt thing where you rub your forehead. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, it, it was it, it got a bit heated towards the end, didn't it? And I think that's probably just through, like you said, the frustration of the Raiders. It was quite amazing how poor they were in that in that second half. And you you got to feel for like on the shark side, you got to feel for Chad Townsend because yeah. he uh, per, personally he is going to say uh, he's going to feel like he lost that game because he only kicked one out of four. Had he kicked, uh, you know, not even all of them, they would have won the match. Um, but if it weren't for his, you know, his um, calm head at in, in that halfback playmaking role, they wouldn't have got, they wouldn't have scored, you know, any of the tries that they did. Um, and you know, it's a leader like him uh, that that helps the team get through those tough periods where there's just no possession to know that like the tide is going to turn and to stay solid and to lead the, um, you know, lead them in defence as well. So I, you know, I mean, everyone already knows that Chad Townsend's a great player, but you just know personally he's going to wear that one, and it's you know he obviously shouldn't. Yeah, I tend to agree with you. I thought he, goal-kicking aside, I thought he had a terrific second half. He really started to pull the strings. He obviously set up that try with a grubber. He, he kicked well. He, he, you know, I think he missed six or seven tackles in the first half and barely missed one in the second. So he really turned things around for him in the second half. He looked shattered when that last yeah. kick sailed wide. And that was the toughest one um, that he had. The, the first conversion that he missed was pretty gettable. Um certainly by sort of any NRL goal kicker standards. And the next one he missed was harder than that. And then the one to tie it up at the end was obviously right from the sideline. And you, you really need to, to nail um, nail the kick to, to have any chance of getting those ones. So, yeah, I hope he doesn't – he's going to take it hard. But um, you haven't really found a goal-kicking solution since um, since James Maloney left. You've seen you know, Val Holmes has taken some, I think, if I'm remembering that right. And obviously Moylan um, has been there. So they've sort of gone through a few and um, haven't really nailed one. And it's – Proved costly on, on quite a few occasions and, and once again uh, in this game. Anyway, enough about that. Let's talk about your Tigers and what went wrong with them. Um, Roosters, again, red hot. Two massive wins, two games in a row. Uh, Manly last week and, and Tigers today. It was just that double Leilua Brooks left uh, left edge was just a mess. Yeah, this was, this was surprisingly, this was a really hard loss to watch because I normally you would go into a match Tigers versus Roosters with zero expectation. And, and, I, and I did like, so the, you know, two, two things were always going against the Tigers in this game. One, it's the Roosters. They never beat the Roosters and the Roosters are a red hot team anyway. And two, it's a milestone game. So 150th game for Brooks and Tigers never win milestone games for their players. They just don't. I think every single Tigers, you know, air quotes legend or um, hasn't, hasn't won, you know, 50th, 100th, 200th, whatever it may be, they don't win them. Um, but this was, 
like I said, did not expect them to win, but this was hard to watch. It was just an all-round diabolical performance um, from most of the team. Luke Brooks had, um, I don't want to sit here and bash Luke Brooks. His running game was excellent at in parts. His defensive game was quite poor and his kicking game was really poor as well. Like There was one moment in the match where he, um, he made a great run. He did a line break and spiked this great attacking raid. They got tackled just short of the line, and then it was fifth tackle, and he just booted it out on the foot, like booted it dead for a seven-tackle set back to the Roosters. Like so many times when um, the opportunity to build pressure was there, that just the pressure just got let off by a, a poor kick. I'm not really sure what's going on with his kicking game at the moment, but it just hasn't been – Just it's not up to his standard, I'd say, for these first opening two rounds. And yeah, defense down that left edge, it was just, you could tell like every single time the Roosters got the ball, that's exactly where they headed. It was like Luke, Luke Keary just had eyes for like, you know, the Leilua brothers and that's it. And um, yeah, they had massive success. Again, we harped on about it last week with Brett Morris, but wow, like what a game he had. It was spectacular, spectacular to watch, but still back on the Tigers. Um, some some highlights, like Dane Laurie, I thought he had an, an excellent game for most of it. Um, he's he's a, a highlight for us at fullback. Um, you know, he was pretty solid in defence and had some great um, great attacking spark. Again, just out of nothing, create, would create a, a break or a half break to get the team moving forward. But that was, yeah, as a fan and even as a, as a neutral, that was a hard, hard game to swallow. And it really changes my expectations for the team this year. Unless, you know, maybe that's, maybe that's rock bottom and they'll bounce back. The Cowboys in 2015 lost their first two games and they, you know, they went on to win it. So you never know. But it was it was pretty poor. Might have been it was at least three, I think, the Cowboys lost. They they started really poor that year and then won. Um yeah, I was just I was just disappointed with how unimaginative the attack seems. Just so many one out runs and just not really throwing anything. I know you've got to earn the right first, but um, you know, the, the game went on, they just weren't really testing the Roosters' defense um at all. As you mentioned, obligatory shout out, the um the Morris Twins appreciation podcast that we run here <laughs> on a Sunday night. BMOS at it again, a beautiful chip kick for Tedesco's first finished up with a hat trick of his own. Um that Luke Keary flick pass straight out of the Benji oh, Marshall playbook was... for Brett Morris <laughs> to score. That it was it wasn't just the pass. It was the support play from Brett, from Brett Morris as well. Like it just, it, it was like, it was like, it just did, it didn't even look at him. And Brett Morris comes from out of frame, just, you know, as fast as a, like a steam train, picks up the ball and just like, yeah, takes the pass cleanly and sprints down to the, to score a try. It was, it was pretty amazing stuff. They are pretty to watch when they're on the Roosters. Lindsay Collins might be getting kicked out of the front rowers club if he keeps setting up tries the way he was setting them up <laughs> today. But he had a he had a fine game as well. Even um, you know last week we saw James Tedesco have to take a a kick at goal when uh, Kieran was injured and Takiyaho was off and just shanked it wildly. And we're like, there's something he can't do. And then of course this week yeah. he nails one from the sideline because he's <laughs> James Tedesco. So yeah, they're um they're running yeah, pretty yeah. hot at the moment. Uh, the Roosters. So, um, yes, yeah, certainly uh, ominous signs. And that's an understrength Roosters too. Uh, Crichton was out. Friend was out. Verrills and Radley still not back. You know, Cordner still out. So um, a few of those, I think Radley's back in a week or two. Verrills a few weeks after that. And, and Crichton obviously next week. So not even their full strength team, uh, the Roosters. So they're number one with a bullet on for and against after, uh, after two weeks. Um, let's head through to Saturday night now. The Cowboys and the Dragons. This was an entertaining game to watch, I thought. It wasn't always high quality, but the the contest back and forth, bit of a, you know, in doubt up until the end. There was a lot of desperation uh, on show. Some, you know, some guys really put their hands up. So um, despite, you know, some errors and some, you know, some down moments, I thought it was an entertaining game to watch. 
Yeah, I'm with you. This game was like, um, I don't know, it was like like chewing gum or um, uh, it was like a, you know, like a, like a Britney Spears pop song. Like, you know, a lot of fun, but really without without much substance to it. Um, like you said, I had no was... idea where you were going with chewing gum and Britney Spears. Like, I'm gonna get, I'm, I'm gonna get hammered like on Twitter by by Britney fans now. Like, I actually, I'm a huge Britney fans, um, Britney Spears fan. So please don't don't. A lot of Britney fans um, on this podcast as well. So you know. Yeah, I know. It's, it's a, the Venn diagram is actually quite quite surprising. <laughs> um, where was I? Yeah, no, this was it was like you said, it was a lot a lot of, lot of fun to watch. Uh, really up and down, right? Like both teams had had periods of like amazing slick football and then these other periods of just like almost calamity it was it was it was puzzling to watch um you know the opener I think the Cowboys probably um because their first try came so easily like that was a, a you know, opening what first five minutes or something an uncontested kick really just Cohen Hess falls over the line I think that may have may have just you know made them think okay this might be this you know we might be on here or this might be a, a, a an easily gettable game for us and um, and I probably would have agreed, like thought the same way, considering um, everyone's expectations of the Dragons this year. But it just it, the game didn't stop; it just kept going and going and going. It was, yeah, it was a lot of fun. The guy I was really happy for was uh, was Ben Hunt, who uh, always seems to to cop it. Um, more than anyone else when the, the Dragons are losing. I know the halfback's always the, the one in the gun when the team's not going well, but um, yeah, he was absolutely terrific, really dragged the team over the, the line, dragged Cohen Hess over the line for a, a try, <laughs> um, just a, a superb all-round game and a few other guys, um, you know, McCulloch was great. Um, Josh Kerr, I thought, bounced back. We were a bit down on him playing on an edge, but he had some uh, some good moments and obviously crashed over for a try. So um, yeah, some good moments there for the... Um, the Dragons. I did feel for the Cowboys, obviously, you know, desperate just to win in general, but obviously, especially in front of their, their home fans, haven't had a good run up there since the new stadium opened, obviously with COVID and everything last year and just struggling to get the wins mm. as well. Um, you know, Michael Morgan seemed pretty down after the game. Um, so I'm not sure what the answer is there. All this obviously pressure on Todd Payton early with his, his comments about Jason Tamalolo, who's obviously out for, um, you know, four or six weeks with a, um, a hand injury. Um, yeah, tough times at the moment in Townsville. Yeah, I, I really think it, it comes down to like the halves pairing that they have. At least in that game, their like their fifth tackle options were relatively unimaginative. Like, just didn't come up with the right kind of kick or the right kind of play at, at the right time. And I think um, there's obviously something that needs to be worked on there. Um, and that's that might might change things for the Cowboys. I don't. I mean, the pressure's on Todd Payton. I think that's. Pretty unfair considering it's his second game in a, in a squad that everyone knows has been, um, you know, underperforming for a while. I don't really know what what everybody thought he, he might do um, so early. Um, but, you know, it doesn't get any easier. It's, it's, you know, it's a pretty tough competition. But I just think um, there were moments in that game where, uh, yeah, both Clifford and Michael Morgan uh, selected poor options when, um, you know, there was more to be had. Yeah. Yeah. Um- on the Dragons, I don't really like, you know, we don't like piling in on the, the bad teams, but I, I did have them as one of the, the pretty likely candidates for the wooden spoon at the end of the year. I feel like I've seen in two weeks enough to be confident that they're they're better than a wooden spoon team. They, they showed some real grit in that comeback against the Sharks last week, even though they ended up going down. And then I know that the Cowboys weren't excellent in this game, but um, you know, to go up to Townsville, get a win in muggy conditions against a, a team that is having a, a real dig at you. I think there's you know there's a little bit of fight in this this Dragons team. I, I still don't have them in the eight, but um, a lot better than 16th, I think. Yeah, I, I totally agree. I was convinced, like, it is a lock. Dragons with a wooden spoon, like, you know, put your house on it, but 
the last the last two rounds show that the dragons are far better than that and there are teams that are far worse than them as well so um it's going to be interesting yeah, it certainly is. Um, one of the teams that is in a, a real hole at the moment is the Sea Eagles. Um, went down 26-12 to the Rabbitohs uh, at Lotto Land, another very wet game in Sydney over the weekend. Um, took it to the Bunnies early, um, you know, Look like they might be staging a possible upset. They, you know, scored a couple of tries. They were holding their own for a, a fair bit. Um, you know, Bunnies ended up, you know, having to deal with a bit of adversity. You know, Latrell Mitchell got Sinbin. They lost... Um, Adam Reynolds and Jackson Paulo in the first half to to head knocks. Um, I will say about Manly, just absolutely shocking news on on Andrew Davey. I was lucky enough to interview mm. him after his debut for Parramatta last year, and just seems like an absolutely tremendous bloke, a very mature age debutant by rugby league standards. I think he's twenty nine now, but um, you know, sacrificed a lot last year. Is pretty much a minimum wage um, player. You know, he had job offers. Um, that, that were more than he, a lot more than he was making um, on a minimum wage rugby league contract. And he sort of stuck through it being like, you know, this is my only chance and goes to Manly. And next thing you know, you know, Curtis Sirinan's injured. Um, Hamale Olakatao is injured and he's suddenly in the, the starting side and four minutes into the game um, does his ACL. So just absolutely shocking for, um, for poor Andrew mm-hmm. Davey. Yeah, I mean that's just it's 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 tragic, but it's just one of those things that happens, right? It's some people have rotten luck with injury, and other people have absolutely all the luck with injury and pay four hundred games, and that's just you know that's the, the two extremes of the sport. It's not not exclusive to rugby league; it's just life in general, unfortunately. Though obviously, we wish him a speedy recovery and all the best. Um, any thoughts on the the manly performance? There, um, you know, like I said, a bit of fight at the start, but got a bit disappointing in the end. That uh, um, getting very short on, on back rowers, obviously, with the, the guys that are out. You know, no specialist hooker, no specialist fullback. There's, um, there's some problems to fix. Yeah, I tell you what, um, they've got they've got issues at fullback. Um, that's for sure. I think again, like I sort of mentioned it last week, that manly's reliance on on um, turbo was like telling um not just like but i was sort of focused more on you know the effect he has overall on the team but like you know he's their only choice at fullback really as well um Dylan walker he's a highly skilled player but he just he just struggled back there it wasn't wasn't his best game um and i'm gonna ask your opinion on something dce he was sort of he didn't have a very good game last week i don't think he had a he had an improved performance this week but i think he looked really really angry the entire game what do you think he did look angry. He looked particularly angry when he was penalised, when he was, I guess, caught out trying to do a penalty <laughs> for an objection. I actually thought the ref handled that pretty well. He, he you know, I'm a huge fan of, of chairs. He's a you know, pleasure to deal with, wonderful bloke. Um, and still, in my opinion, the best seven in the NRL. I know Cleary is, um, is fast sort of staking his claim to that mantle, but um, I, I still have DCE as the number one just, playing in a, a pretty battered team at the moment. But um, yeah, it was, hasn't been his best two games and um, he did look a bit cranky for a lot of that one. <laughs> yeah, and I, I'm glad you highlighted the, um, the penalty he conceded for Milken because it's uh, it was a clear, like, clearly he was like milking it um, for all it was worth. And, um, you know, hats off to the ref for calling him or, you know, calling any player out on, on doing that because it's rare that that, that happens. That was, you know, uh, um, he, they coughed up possession on that penalty. So... Um, yeah, some people would have would have thoroughly enjoyed that. But yeah, I just thought he looked um, he looked angry, and I don't mean that in a good way. I think it was almost distracting him, this sort of the, the frustration or or, um, or anger that, that it looked like he was playing with. 
Yeah, maybe frustrated, but um, yeah, good signs for the Bunnies. They're able to find a way to win despite losing players to, to injury and having a few things go against them in um, pretty rubbish conditions. Um, the middle Saturday game was the Bulldogs and the Panthers. Pretty much one my traffic in this one. Um, Bulldogs sort of hung with them for a uh, for a while, but 28-0 it finished up. Um, kick out, barnstorming game, couple of tries, Jerome Luai, um almost upstage Nathan Cleary, if anything, a couple of try assists. Um, Panthers, for the second week running, just completely dominating possession. I think about 60% of the ball, two games in a row. Haven't conceded a point in two weeks, which I believe <laughs> is the first time in first grade rugby league history in this country that a team has gone the first two games of a season without conceding a point. So, um, you know, that haven't had a lot to beat, you know, to be fair with the, the Cowboys and the Bulldogs not really aiming up the past two weeks, but very ominous signs for last year's runners up. You know what we've got to do? We've just got to get the Panthers and the Roosters in a game immediately because you've got a team that has scored 40 plus in the opening two games and a team that has conceded zero in their <laughs> opening two games. That's just, you know, it's, a, it's an immovable object and an unstoppable force. What's going to happen? Um, but yes, the Panthers were, like we've always said, they were slick, they were energetic. Jerome Luai, he was like, how do you, how do you step in like weather like that? Like, it, I don't know if the, the ground was just of superior quality, but that sort of stuff generally doesn't t- like, um, doesn't lend itself to that kind of, that kind of style of play, but it's almost like the rain energised him. Like he always plays with energy anyway, but he was hop skipping and jumping everywhere. He had a, it was, it was great to watch. Um, and you know, they just look, they just look like a solid outfit. One criticism I do have of the Panthers is like you mentioned kick out. He had an excellent game. He scored two tries, but the Panthers love that. Um, get the ball to kick out, uh, you know, on the run about 10 meters out and, and try and get him to crash over. And I think, once he scored the two tries, it was clear that they were, they were you know, going to win this game. All they seemed to do was focus on getting a third for him, or that's just seems to, that's like their pet play. And once it stops working, I, I would have thought that they would you know, start trying something else. But it's almost like they've got they've decided to commit to it, and that's all they're trying to do. Um, so that's you know that's that's my two cents on that one. But other than that, fantastic, fantastic game for them. And Paul Mavrovsky, good to see him get a couple of tries as well. Yeah, they are very left side heavy with their attack. I don't know if it's specifically trying to get kick out tries or that's just their go-to. I was actually going to mention Paul Morovsky sort of looked like he was going to catch a cold out there on that right edge. He wasn't seeing any ball. And finally, at the end, he just went, stuff this and got himself involved and yeah picked up a one I guess one sort of fortuitous try and then one at the end he just did it all himself so um, he's yeah. had a bit of a, a weird career to date sort of was it Roosters Tigers Storm to, to Panthers um, hasn't really nailed down a spot despite being obviously extremely uh, talented, you know, enough ball skills to, to have played in the halves, you know, some, spent some time at 5.8 and, and other positions in the back line, probably a, a centre moving forward, but um, a real good pickup um, for the Panthers. I don't think, you know, obviously Dean Farday going, I don't think Tyrone May is a, a centre. So, um, yeah, Brent Naden currently being held out of the team by um, by Paul Momorowski. So, uh, big season for him, potentially. Uh, what about the Bulldogs? Um showed a few positive signs we thought against the Knights, but against a very good team, just really couldn't get going at all. Yeah, this is, I mean, it's just sort of the Bulldogs of last year in that there's definitely effort there, but they just don't really have the cattle. I I mean, again, it's not fair because Penrith are, you know, one of the premier teams this year, but they just, yeah, they just really struggle. And I think Panthers fans will probably take, will will probably have, um, uh, you know, feel, take pleasure out of the fact that, you know, Barrett went there to revolutionise the Bulldogs' attack, and they didn't register a point. But yeah, it's just it's just tough time. There's, they've got a couple of players. I mean, next year, what are they getting? Adokar, and they're getting um, 
uh, Matt Burton from um, the Panthers as well. And that, yeah. that should, again, further add to their stocks. And this year, they're just a little bit thin, I think. Um, Kyle Flanagan, I think he he's still a work in progress. He needs to work on his fifth tackle options, I think. Um, a couple of times, he just sort of chucked up a lazy, I want to say lazy, but he just chucked up an unimaginative bomb. And I think he had a lot more time to probably consider his kick a little bit more. Um, one pleasing thing from him, though, I, I did like the fact that he's, right, that he's, how do you say, he, he, he was aggressive, I suppose, or maybe not aggressive, but he was um, not passive. He definitely showed he was, you know, he, there was a couple of times where he stood up to a few players, really got in their face, and he just showed, you know, that he, um, passion, I guess, um, which is something you probably, you like to see from your halfbacks. There are a couple of halfbacks in the competition that you'd probably call a lot more passive than that. Um, and I think it was good to see that he's got a bit of, a bit of fight in I was uh, almost mentioned that earlier when we were talking about Jerome Luai, he and uh, Kyle Flanagan almost coming to blows. Two of probably the last blokes in the entire NRL I'd expect to see in dust-ups or ever step into the, the boxing ring fully, uh, you know, going head-to-head. So it's always good to see yeah, a little bit of spice from the, um, yeah, that's the cocky right. young halfbacks. Um, Nick Kotrick, I thought, was, was quite good. He's had a good fortnight, really, for the Bulldogs. It's not you know, from where they were last year, you don't buy a, a rep center and expect him to turn the club around. But I think Kotrick's probably done um, about as much as he could. And a little shout out to Josh Jackson, who kind of tends to get bagged um, a fair bit, but I think something like 64 tackles and none missed. So couldn't be doing um, much more than that. The, uh, the skipper takes us through to Friday night, the Titans and the Broncos. We've talked about the Titans with Jamin already. Quick word on the Broncos. Um, they are another team that's in a hole at the moment. Um, Anthony Milford, who we sort of said showed some really bright signs, especially in that first half against Parra in round one. Um, a, a very forgettable game for him. Um, yeah, f- we touched on it, five tries all by forwards from the Titans. It doesn't speak um, too highly of the uh, the Brisbane goal line defence. They, uh, they got some work to do. Yeah, this is, it's, it's really unfortunate, but it, nothing seems to have changed from the, what they were going through last year. It's just... It seems to me they, they lack leadership. When when things aren't going their way and things aren't going their way often at the moment, they just don't have someone that can sort of like think about the compare it to the Sharks game that we just that we just spoke about that happened tonight. Um, Sharks versus Raiders. There was like there was a full half when nothing went the Sharks' way and everything went the Raiders' way. And they've got Chad Townsend and Wade Graham and, and leaders that can sort of keep the team together and, and keep them focused and say, don't worry, it's going to turn, it's going to turn in our favor. Let's do X, Y, Z. The Broncos just don't have players like that. They're all so young. They're all relatively inexperienced. Um, they just don't have anyone that can just sort of grab the team, bring them together, and and you know work them through the um, like work them through the game. It's it's really quite striking. Yeah, it um, could be another long season for the Broncos. Um, the earlier Friday game, the Warriors and the Knights. Uh, I tipped the Warriors in this one. I was feeling good about it for a fair bit of it, but uh, credit to the Knights. They got there in the end. Um, what'd you make of this one? Yeah, I tipped the, I tipped the Warriors for this one as well. I kind of, I, I suffer from consistently underestimating the Knights um, and probably <laughs> overestimating the Warriors somewhat. Um, maybe it was more I tipped the Warriors because that's what who I wanted to win rather than who I thought would actually win. But this is another strange one because um, it might surprise listeners to know that once you come, like on Sunday, it's really hard to remember everything that happened on Friday. So Sunday morning, I like to go back and watch the extended highlights of the Friday night games. And I was watching this one um, and that highlights package, that extended highlights package of like 12 to 15 minutes, all the highlights seemed to be for the Warriors. There was like the, the Warriors seemed to have been in control for this whole match, yet they didn't win. Um, it was just, 
Uh, and that's that's how it felt like like watching it happen. It always felt like the Warriors were going to, uh, you know, it was a bit of, you know, shot for shot. Uh, the scores were relatively even, but it just felt like the Warriors were going to end up winning. And then um, Bradman Best, he lives up to his name, right? He, he just came through with the goods and, um, you know, and well done to Newcastle. It was, a, it was a gritty win for them. Yeah, it was an easy afternoon for the headline writers, I think, that one. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, he uh, he was fantastic. He uh, he stole the game for the Knights at the end. Um, yeah, Warriors. I mean, plenty of good signs. Uh, to me, this is probably um, it was almost the second best game of the round. Really, we're about to talk about the uh, the best one, but um, I thought it was pretty high quality. Really, I quite liked what I saw from both teams. Yeah, I really liked um, for the back of the Warriors. I, I thought Ben Mur- Murdoch Missoula had a great game. Um, he's he's like I had reservations about how he would go after spending so long in the Super League, just because yeah. It's rare, it's rare that a guy comes from the Super League. Like, granted, he left when he was probably in his prime, I suppose. Um, but it's it's rare that a guy, someone goes to the Super League and comes back a better player. I know he's done really well in the Super League, but we all know that it's, it's just probably just a different level of competition. But he's, I mean, it's only two games in, but he's he's really done quite well. He did have one um, one lost ball over the line, but I'd put that down to the pass rather than his handling of it. It was you know, flung right, right at his head, I think. Um, but yeah, really, really, really good signs for him. What about for the Knights? Do you reckon Kalen Ponga gets that kicking tee back when he's uh, finally back from injury or Mitch Barnett may have um, taken over the job full time? Uh, please, Kalen Ponga, you, you know, whatever he wants to do, he gets to do. So oh, <laughs> right. I guess it all comes down to him. Yeah, um, yeah Barney's uh, he's really taken a shine to this goal-kicking business. I did love that one shot um, up there at Gosford. You could see that, you know, bright sort of orange and purple sunset behind the palm trees as Barnett's sl- slotting that uh, two points over from out wise. Very uh, picturesque moment in, in rugby league, um, if I do say so. Um, anyway, let's talk about Thursday night because this game was an absolute bell ringer. I was out there uh, in the media box, um, you know, wet weather footy. I wasn't expecting, I was expecting a bit of a slug fest. I was expecting, you know, just a lot of, you know, kicks to the corners and, and smash them up in the middle. But I guess that's, that's sort of what it was, but um, just quality wise, the, the handling and the, the tenacity, the, the level of defense, the, the performances, this game was, was fantastic. It's, it's rare where you see uh, a game that was highly entertaining. This was a hugely entertaining game. And all for me anyway, it was entertaining all through defense. Like it's that's yeah. such a, a weird thing to say, but the defense was amazing. It was so much fun to watch, especially um, like Clint Gutherson. It's, you know, it's been spoken about for the whole weekend, but he was everywhere in everything and, you know, stopped, stopped Melbourne so many times. He was on Twitter. Someone described him as like a, um, like a kid at under sixes, just constantly just chasing the ball, like no matter where it was. And that's, that's how he was playing. He was, it was a brilliant game. I loved every second of it. Um, and you're right. It was like Sydney has copped a, like a, just been dumped by rain the last week. Um, and that was supposed to be a wet weather game, but it was so fast. It was so slick. And God damn it, it was so much fun. It was, well, there were so many things I loved about this game. Gutherson to start with, putting himself in front of Nelson Asper Solomona, the biggest human being on the planet, <laughs> and holding him up over the try line. That, uh, the play to knock the ball out from uh, Cameron Munster near the, the try line, um, just 
time and time again, I think you know, pretty much four tries he, he saved or, or helped to save. Um, outstanding work. Then, you know, talk about playing wet weather footy, Mitch Moses and Reed Marnie, especially in the second half as the game wore on, those long kicks to the corners, turning the storm around and, and making them work it out of their own end. Um, Murata Yukore at centre, I thought, you know, Wunga Blake's out. We're putting a guy who's used to playing in the middle out at centre. Um, he's going to get fanned out in defence. He's not going to have the mobility to deal with Justin Ollum. Well, he was dealing out punishment he forced at least one turnover <laughs> some, and and those center reads we talk about being the toughest spot on the field to defend in terms of the decisions you have to make when he rushed up he got it right and he nailed blokes and he might have a job for the next four to six weeks if um if one is out that long he might find himself in the centers every week for a little bit yeah you're right there were highlights all across the park um i uh, you mentioned read money he was um i don't know like what, what's happened to him this year, but he just seems uh, a lot more fit. Like he had a great year last year as well, but he seems like faster, fitter, and just he's always there to provide um, spark up the middle. Um, and I think, you know, he was, uh, yeah, he had an excellent game. And Mitch Rose as well, like you said, especially towards the end, that kick for Mike Acevo for the match winner, mm. uh, you know, poetry in motion. That, that whole sequence of events was just, you know, inexplicable. That, that try sort of came out of nowhere. It was a good kick from Moses, but I don't think it was an attacking kick for your winger to score. It was just a high bomb to the corner to make life hard for the opposition winger. He just floated it up from 40 out and and hoped for the best. And then Sivo comes just stampeding through, leaps into the air over the top of poor Georgie Jennings, grabs the ball and gallops off to, to win the game. It was a remarkable way to win the game. Uh, just on Reed before we move on, I actually chatted to him in the sheds. Uh, like I said, I was covering the game for NRL.com. First thing I asked him was about the fitness because I cannot believe how, you know, 75th minute blokes are out, you know, doubled over on their haunches and he's still tearing after things, you know, making legs <laughs> tackles and, you know, running and kicking and passing like it was the, the first five minutes. He just said just a lot of hard work with Trent Elkin, the conditioner over summer. And um, in terms of the ball playing, that's two weeks in a row. He's he's fed Junior Polo over for a really nice try at the line. And obviously he's kicking out a dummy half. He said, you know, all, all the talk about, you know, Andrew Johns coming in and working with Moses and Dylan Brown. Well, Andrew Johns has been helping out Reed Marnie as well. Andrew Johns, um, as we all remember, played a fair bit of hooker as well as in the halves, especially at rep level. Um, so he's helped out Reed Money a lot as well with his sort of attacking play. So we could be seeing a new and improved Reed this year. I mean, for me, probably ahead of, you know, ahead of Tedesco, ahead of Cleary, ahead of these other guys, he's probably been, you know, the, the best player in the competition over two rounds. Yeah, that's it's really quite surprising that you say that um, because whilst that definitely is the case, it's just he's just not a player that you would have thought, you know, you'd, you'd be saying that um, at all, let alone um, after the first couple of games. And it's really when you compare the stuff that's happening in that dummy half role at Parramatta, which is all positive, with what was happening in the dummy half position for the Storm during that game, yeah, it was it was just it was very unstorm-like. Um, the service that they were getting out of dummy half. Um, like the passing game was really a lot of passes just basically went to ground um, like rather than hitting the first receiver. Um, it's, it's just not something that, that, that Melbourne are, are used to doing. And that's not to say, I'm not saying that um, Brandon Smith had a bad game because um, he's Brandon Smith and he really has, has a bad game, but it just, it was just quite telling um, that there was, there's a lot of fitness sitting in that, in that number nine position for Parramatta and it's just doesn't seem to be quite there yet for Melbourne. Yeah, it's an interesting one. Craig Bellamy, after the game, pretty much said we're still learning to play and to win without Cameron Smith. Obviously, the first season in almost 20 years that Smith hasn't been there, and it was a game that Smith would have relished. You can just imagine him in that game 
doing that, you know, kicking for corners mm. and holding up the passes and finding the perfect option and, and controlling the pace of the game in that way that he always did. Um, and Brandon Smith, Craig Bellamy actually praised him quite strongly in terms of the game that he had. But I agree with you. I think there were a few really dusty passes, particularly late in the first half, early in the second half, before he got interchanged for a rest. He looked really, really gassed. Um, Cameron Munster looked like he gave him a, a pretty big bake as they were coming off at half time. Mm. And the quality of a couple of passes that he received out of dummy half. There was one in particular I can think they were on the attack and he sort of looped a big pass that Munster had to pick up off his, his bootlaces. So um, it is, an, they're obviously missing Harry Grant, who's still apparently could be another four weeks away, Craig Bellamy said, with that MCL injury that he suffered in the trials. But um, all of a sudden, yeah, dummy half, a bit of an issue for the Storm. Yeah, and like this is just, it's it just goes to show what a privilege it has it would be to have a player of the caliber of Cameron Smith in that role, in a leadership role, as like fit for every single game. So it's not even something you have to think about. Um, and it will be really interesting to see how they handle these next three, like these next four weeks without Harry Grant. Even with Harry Grant, like he's no Cameron Smith. So the bar, the expectations of Melbourne of what happens in that hooking role is probably <laughs> way above where they probably should be. Um, so yeah, I mean, we've had Melbourne have been rock solid for a decade, and I mean they're still an excellent team that have played excellent games. Uh, not to say that they, they're going to start um, they're going to start losing all of a sudden, but it's just you know you can see a little chink in their armor suddenly um, become apparent. Final shout out before we wrap this podcast up to Isaiah Papali'i off the bench for Parramatta. I don't think I've ever seen um, a, a home crowd embrace a new <laughs> signing quite as quickly as uh, Papali'i's been em- embraced by the Bankwest uh, faithful the second he came on, or even when his name was read out when they were doing the teams at the start, a, a huge cheer just purely based on his monster 200 metre effort against Brisbane last week. Supreme again against the Storm with his defence this time, I think it was 43 tackles, just really turned the tide in the middle and it did so much of that clean up work around the ruck. So um, Parramatta, I think they were suffering a little bit last year when Paulo and Regan Campbell-Gillard and, and Nathan Brown were off. But um, yeah, Papali has really turned that around and they're, they're really not losing anywhere near as much when the, the starters are off now. So a, a whole other string to the bow for, for the Eels in 2021. All right, you heard it here first. Eels for the pre- Eels for Premiers for no, 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 no. Moderate the expectations. Anyway, that's all we got time for. Thank you, Kenny, once again for joining me on a Sunday session podcast. We're we'll back this time next week to wrap up round three. Thank you.